This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. You're listening to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week, we review and preview the big markets and business stories with Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham. And it's a very good morning to Craig. And what a surreal week it has been. Something to tell the grandchildren about, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the embarrassing weeks that Theresa May's had. Um, <laughs> and I think it's been underplayed, really, just how many defeats Boris Johnson suffered this week. The only thing which maybe makes it less bad as far as Boris Johnson is concerned is I fully think he went into this week expecting this week to play out pretty much exactly as it has. I think this is all part of the master plan, the master plan to to lead the country into an election, an election that's going to be the people versus uh, the, the elite uh, and uh, the, the people who want to deliver Brexit versus the people who are trying to block Brexit. And he's given the opposition and all uh, all rebellious MPs within his own party the opportunity, the effectively the noose to hang themselves with as far as he's concerned. I love the idea of the people versus the elite when you consider that Boris <laughs> went to Eton and uh, I can't remember the school that Dominic Cummings went to, but it, it was definitely uh, a, a proper public school. Yeah. Uh, but conversely to that, uh, yes, I agree with you. This is sort of how it was panned out when uh, Dominic Cummings game-theoried this whole scenario. Although the fact that it doesn't look like we're going to have an election in October, uh, on October the 15th, they didn't actually think that was going to uh, go wrong, and it has yeah, I think they probably thought that Jeremy Corbyn would leap at the opportunity of an election. And even if they did sniff out the the idea that by delaying the bill through the Lords, then you could actually leave uh, no deal on the table by the end of October without having to effectively reverse the decision when a new government's formed, assuming they get a majority. Um, even if they uh, assume that he may fall for that trick before or after that, it didn't really matter. Um, the, the difficulty that they now have is that they want they, they want to be seen to be delivering on the 31st of October, which is a bit of a risk. But equally, it still continues to play into their hands because Boris Johnson, if his determination is to portray the opposition as the blockers of Brexit uh, and, and playing political games in order to stop Brexit, then that effectively plays into the hands as well because they're effectively delaying an election to make him look like he's breaking a promise that he can't possibly now keep. So, I mean, we, we've seen what populist politics is like over these last few years now. It's all about the message. It's all about the divisiveness. It's all about the aggression. It's all about the blame. Uh, and this gives him plenty of opportunity. The longer it goes on, the more he can continue to point the finger the the opposite side the aisle uh, as to be the reason why Brexit hasn't happened. He's lost his brother Joe, but don't you think he's lost his mojo? <laughs> Been waiting for I that. Mean, yeah, I, th- I mean, I feel like you've been either waiting to use that all week, or you. If we Honestly, I just few, came up with that. Yeah, if we if we listen to a few other shows, I imagine we'll probably have heard that once or twice already. Um, yeah, I mean, losing losing his brother is uh, is always a bit of a knock. Unfortunate. Um, yeah, but I mean, they've always had opposite views. So yeah. I think this was probably the best way he could have bowed out. I think ultimately he would have liked to have joined the rebels in Parliament a couple of days ago uh, and voted with uh, with the rest of uh, of Parliament uh, to take control of proceedings. But he probably decided he didn't want to draw attention to himself during that process force his brother to sack him so by effectively bowing out now he's uh he's saving himself and his brother from a very difficult situation further down the line let's not get too involved the political ramifications of 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 this discussion and, and and also concentrate on business and markets i mean what are markets thinking at the moment it's been a fairly uh bad week for the pound although a bit of a recovery 
when it looked as if, and still looks at the moment, as if no deal is not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the week, it looked as though it was about to turn a little bit sour again, and it seemed that almost there was no positive outlook. It seemed for uh, for the, for this week, um, even an election, there was uh, there's, there's obviously always these uh, suggestions come back that's. That, that, that even if Corbyn got a victory, even if we defeated No Deal, then the markets don't like Corbyn either. So it's almost like there was a no positive way out of this situation. But even markets are saying that Corbyn is better than No Deal. Exactly. I mean, so we, we dipped below 120 at the start of the week. That seemed like a negative warning sign from a, 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 for the pound versus US dollar. We dipped as low as around 119.50. And since then, we've just been surging. We've gone up to 123.50 there or thereabouts, which is where we currently lie. And it seems that markets feel like this week has gone very well, basically because we've got rid of the near-term cliff edge, because people are always looking at the near-term cliff edge, and it looks like that may have um, that may have been scuppered. Uh, and yeah, as you're saying, people are suggesting now that... Uh, markets view Corbyn as being a better alternative than no deal. I think we also do have to um, uh, we do also have to say when we're talking about that, they're talking about a Corbyn-led coalition. Um, no one is expected to get a majority and if anyone's going to get a majority at this election, it would be the Conservatives if they um, if Brexit effectively stand down um, during the election and just allow the Conservatives to be the only ones running on the ticket of delivering on Brexit. Um, Corbyn doesn't have a chance of getting a majority, I don't think, at this election uh, and the best chance that he's got of getting into power will be in coalition with others and that is going to come with its own compromises. So by compromising his own domestic agenda, some of the less market-friendly things that it could be reined in under a coalition government with the Lib Dems, etc. Uh, markets now perceive it to be potentially less of a threat than an outright no-deal Brexit. Can we say almost for sure now that we're not going to get a no-deal? Um, no, no, I don't think we can ever say that for sure, because if Boris gets a majority, if Jeremy Corbyn has suggested that he'd be up for an election still in the middle of October. Um, if that occurs, which gives Boris Johnson then two weeks to deliver no-deal Brexit or Brexit, he can, he can say, especially if he's in either a majority government or a coalition government with a Brexit party, he very much can say, I have received a mandate to chase a deal and no deal is the, back, is the backdrop of that if that doesn't work out. But certainly not by October the 31st. Well, That's, that's gone, where- right? Not necessarily, because if he's got a majority again with the Brexit Party and he's got rid of his rogue rebels, the 21 oh, who, were, who were seeking yeah. to block no deal, if they, if they can be replaced in at least a, a number of those seats with conservatives who back uh, no deal, then all of a sudden you've got the numbers where you can overturn the the what, what happened in government over the course sure. of this week. It's obviously a short period of time in which to do so, but I think that is what ultimately what Boris is aiming for, which is why the Labour Party want to hold an election late in October, because it doesn't give them the opportunity to do so. What I'm saying is, surely there cannot be an election in October now because the opposition parties have got together and decided they're not going to vote for that well, two-thirds majority. We will see um, who we'll see what the next few days brings because it seemed that um, there were a number of people in Labour who wanted to hold out till the first November, including Keir Starmer, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, and it seems that Jeremy Corbyn, at least the impression he gave us this week in Parliament, was that he would happily have an election because I think he truly believes that they would win the election. So it doesn't really matter about any other kind of. Legislation and the impact that Boris could potentially have. Um, I, I feel like he will be probably reined in. It would be late, late October, early November for uh, for an election. But then you've just got to ask yourself: I mean, what difference does a few months make ultimately? Um, if Boris wants an agenda, Boris wants um, to get the backing. He wants to uh, be given the mandate to pursue a deal with No Deal as option two. And if he wins an election, he wins a majority, or he goes into coalition with a Brexit party with a majority between two 
with them, then whether it's the 31st of October or the 31st of January doesn't make a difference. Ah, well, the problem for Boris is if it isn't going to be by October the 31st, there has to be some mechanism for extending the deadline. And Boris has said he'd rather die in a ditch than extend that deadline. So how is that going to happen? The EU can't independently, autonomously decide to extend the deadline. We actually have to ask for it, don't we? We do, but um, uh, this is the same Boris Johnson. What did he say? He'd lie down on Heathrow and uh, in front of the yeah. in front of the bulldozers, whatever, to stop um, to stop that three, extension. Yeah. And he's gone very quiet on that front. So don't let, let's not leave all the bombastic. Mm. Um, not outrageous. sure I agree that the two things are comparable. But well, no, it's it's about making a grand claim about the things you would do to stop something happening before actually changing your mind when it when when push comes to act. When push but comes how to many stuff. times did he say there's absolutely no way it's going to go beyond October the thirty first? That was the basis of his leadership campaign and so it will continue he'll lose a lot of the hard brexiteers as well if that happens so no i don't think he will i think we have to remember that one of one of the things that goes hands in hand with populist politics is you make these bold promises and when things don't happen as long as you can point the finger of blame on someone else okay. which is what he's effectively spent this entire week doing is lining the, the labor party lining up the opposition parties so that when push comes to shove he can point the finger of blame them and say there's nothing else i could do i i had my hands completely tied and i want an election to get a mandate to deliver okay. what i wanted if it's got to be the next deadline then that's so be it but at least i'll have a mandate and a parliament which can back me and enable me to do just that we've seen it plenty of times with trump it's it's not about necessarily just delivering it's about not being blamed when you can't deliver well it's managing the process as well and uh, unfortunately for boris at the moment that's not going too well and uh, he's losing all sorts of friends uh, that were willing to go with him for the time i mean he's got a cabinet full of remainers still which is quite amazing when you think about it. I want to move on a bit. And talking of cabinet full of Remainers, somebody who was a Remainer was Sajid Javid. Uh, In case you didn't know this, he's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, apparently. And this week's spending review, which normally would get quite a few headlines, uh, I noticed right in the corner of the, I think it was either the front page of the Evening Standard, um, Javid, quote, unquote, austerity is over. And that didn't get much publicity, did it really? I mean, his... His statement was a, almost like a non-event. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, he didn't do too well generally, to be honest. The statement was quite boring, and uh, he was constantly having to be ushered on uh, by the speaker to get, actually make his point and get to the actual spending review itself. So, I mean, I think many people may have just switched off by the fact that they became bored too early. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it didn't make as many headlines. This was um, one of the guys who was favourite to be a leader as well. Exactly. We, um, it's uh, Parliament's certainly more uh, interesting uh, with uh, Boris Johnson versus uh, Jeremy Corbyn than maybe it would have been with uh, Sajid Javid. But um, or Jeremy Hunt from the <laughs> from the um, what do we get? What do we get from itself? the spending review? Um, well, we got that they are looking for an expansionary um, uh, budget. They were an increase of more than four percent year on year. And the question you got to ask yourself is: They're only committed to one year. So what is it? Is this? An, is this? the end of austerity is this a change is this is this an improvement from the government or is it a bribe because they knew that there's an election coming so they want to get this spending review in so they can say this is about more than brexit this is about our nhs this is about our police um or is it um is it is it an acknowledgement that we do need to spend enormous amounts of money in order to cushion ourselves against the blow of no deal brexit um mark carney this week acknowledged that the economic risks of no-deal Brexit are not as severe as they once were uh, because of the measures which have been uh, uh, undertaken over the last number of months, both in terms of preparation but also the fiscal side of things as well. 
so now it looks as though the economy will only be five and a half percent smaller and unemployment will only go up from 3.9 percent to seven percent i mean yes these are measures which are seeking to improve but they do really show the lengths of which um we expect that the the economy will be hit and as i say we knew that he was looking to call an election. So you've got to ask yourself again, if these are the only things that they can commit to for one year, then what is this? Is it a commitment to end austerity or is it a bribe? I'm more leaning towards the other camp just simply because otherwise you can commit to these things for more years otherwise. They talked about the amount of uh, breathing space within the uh, economy. What's interesting, though, is people are preparing for the potential no-deal Brexit scenario, which would be, uh, as you said earlier, off the cliff, catastrophic. Should we manage to get through this system, uh, this process, one of these days, maybe when I'm an old man and you're a little bit older than you are now, (laughs) but should we manage to do that? Maybe the transition from uh, being in the EU to a soft Brexit type scenario, maybe actually that'll end up being a boost to the economy because there'll be such a great relief for all those concerned both on uh, both sides of the English Channel uh, that actually we might have a boom period uh, post even if we leave. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a lot easier if the global economy wasn't also slowing and Germany facing recession and others facing recession. Um, And it also, as well... I don't think we're close to a situation where that unfolds. I think we're still a while away from that because even if we do get a Jeremy Corbyn-led coalition government, which the market see is more favourable because of the no-deal aspect, um, they've still got to renegotiate the components of the Theresa May's deal, which they aren't happy with, um, which could take some time. They then have to get the backing of Parliament, which, as Theresa May and Boris Johnson have found, isn't always necessarily easy. Granted, it's a Remainer Parliament, but there's a lot of um, Brexiteers in there at this point. Um, So it would still have to get the backing there. They've talked about it going to a second referendum any deal that they achieve so we'd have to then legislate etc for that so that could face stumbling blocks as well i feel like we're so far away from that it's all and, and then there's the political ramifications i mean we've seen all the rallies etc the uh, that we've seen outside parliament etc over the last few months from the remain side i can imagine there'll be quite substantial rallies as well on the brexiteer side if that if that starts to happen um regardless of which side you agree with so it's yeah that that could give deliver an economic boost but um, I just think we're so far away from that, it's, I can't even begin to perceive that far ahead in that unlikely event. OK, talking of uh, economic boosts, it looks like there's going to be a rate cut uh, via the ECB next week. It's certainly on the cards and uh, there is a threat of recession in Europe. And we have mentioned uh, this thought that there is going to be a recession here as well because the latest numbers coming via the services uh, sector, etc., aren't great. Uh, So you think next week ECB rate cut 100%? Yeah, uh, the markets certainly think so. So the markets are priced in 100% chance of a 0.1% rate cut. I mean, from my perspective, what's the point? What's the point in cutting rates by 10 basis points? What difference is it going to make? Symbolic? Symbolic is all it can be. But when you're in negative territory, everything comes with a risk. It's not like you're cutting from 2% to 1.9. You're cutting, you're in uncharted territory in negative rates. And I just don't see the point personally. I think they should be looking uh, to be more ambitious with another package. And it feels like this is, if they do cut interest rates, it's more to appease the markets than it is for anything else. Um, The question for me is, do they announce any other measures? Because there's speculation that they could be looking at QE again. They could be looking at ways to manage the tiered deposit rates better, which is the negative rates and negative impacts it's having on on banks uh, a way to manage that better 
Um, it's a question of whether they just go with a rate cut for now and wait maybe a month or two. Because remember, Christine Lagarde uh, effectively takes over the ECB in November. Um, do will they want to stave the big stimulus package uh, for her first meeting? Maybe not. They didn't previously, so there's no guarantee that they will. But uh, I think these big these big packages, especially this late in the day when. They've already experimented. They've already almost exhausted many of these options. It's probably going to take a lot of time to put together. Uh, but I guess we'll see next week. At the very least, they have to deliver now those uh, 0.1%. Uh, rate cut because uh, the markets are fully priced in and they haven't uh, suggested that the markets are wrong in doing so. On the data itself, yeah, as you've alluded to, we are seeing weaknesses. All of a sudden people are talking, well, maybe actually the UK is heading for recession. We spoke about this previously when the second quarter figure was released. It was almost, it almost felt a little bit fake because of the stockpiling effect. And we were saying that the chance I will see stockpiling in Q3 again ahead of a potential no-deal Brexit, uh, which will give a boost to the economy. We'll also see just the, uh, the, the economy average out the first and the second average out one is a strong growth figure the other is a, a, a contraction figure and the reality has actually been that we're not seeing the same signs of stockpiling again why is that it's hard to say um it, it could be depending on what the type of goods are that these are not perishable goods so if you're stockpiling non-perishable goods then you don't need to restockpile the stockpiling is still there for that rainy day um nature could, of the seasons isn't it really exactly and it could, it, like, it could i've heard there's been stories about um a lack of warehouse space etc to try to to build more stockpiling things like that so um i don't think it's just as easy as just buying buying more and then just having mm. it there for when the rainy day arrives um and also, I mean, we are still relatively early um, in the process and there's still two months to go until we potentially exit with the no deal. So there's still time for stock to, stockpiling to take place. It's just that last time we saw stockpiling taking place, it was three or four months before Brexit Day. Uh, and we've gone past that period and we haven't seen the same thing. Um, so that's the thing that's caused a bit of confusion. That's the thing that's made people think, well, actually, we could be headed for a recession because aside from the lack of stockpiling, the manufacturing, the PMI, uh, services PMIs and was have been weak. Uh, the manufacturing numbers are weak across the board around the globe, uh, including in the US at this point. Uh, and we're not seeing the data that suggests to us that we are actually seeing a third quarter bounce. Staying in Europe, we've got uh, a new government in Italy. How many does that make since the Second World War? Is that over 100? Um, how are markets viewing that at the moment? Um, positively. So it's not just the fact that we've avoided an election. The one, the, one of the difficulties that an election would have brought is that we would have likely seen another government led by Salvini and potentially from parties further to the right again. Um, it would have meant that we'd have seen more clashes with Brussels over the budget later on this year, uh, with Salvini previously taking a very hard line on this, despite compromise eventually being found, but this went on for months and months. Um, so that we've probably avoided that. While Five Star as well are uh, in many ways anti-Brussels, I think a, com a coalition of Five Star and the centre-left uh, Democratic Party is probably going to be a little bit more reserved in terms of their ambitions on the budget. Uh, there's probably going to be areas where they agree that they couldn't agree previously uh, with the league party as well so i think people are now expecting a more uh, a more straightforward budget process maybe some clashes but not to the extent that we saw last year and then a little bit of political stability uh, on top of that. The difficulty which we're going to have here is putting a centre-left party together with maybe a slightly f a further left uh, party maybe seen as a more favourable than uh, far left and far right but 
these are two parties who have very much clashed in the past. These are nemesis. These the, 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 in the eyes of many in the Five Star Democratic Party represent the liberal elite that they are so opposed to that they effectively exist to oppose. So this is not going to be a straightforward coalition of friends. This is going to be a coalition of uh, lesser enemies than potentially the last coalition. You earlier alluded to the trade war and the potential of talks between the United States and China. There are new talks planned, uh, markets like that, um, but uh, how genuine are those talks going to be? Well, markets like anything that suggests that something positive happening on this front, uh, because we've been so used to negative things happening, that any sign that you get that we're seeing a bit of an improvement, markets have leapt on in the past, and they, they certainly did this week. The difficulty I have here is they talked about a phone call. Both sides agreed that that happened. China said they'd agreed to early talk, to talks in early October in Washington. The US denied that had actually taken place and they'd agreed to that. We saw this last time. There was a, there was a, there was a, uh, a phone conversation between the two sides. Both sides confirmed the conversation and Trump at the time suggested that they'd agreed on a date in the future and the Chinese side said no we haven't that that never that that, that never happened so this feels like a kind of leveling up the leveling things up a little bit like one all uh, in terms of embarrassing the other sides um but it doesn't give you much hope that they're actually getting any closer because there clearly is that kind of hostility that disagreement between the two the difficulty I have is I just don't feel like either side are desperate enough yet to make a deal I don't think the economies of either have been hit hard enough and I still feel like the other one can wait it out longer than the other one US because it believes it's stronger and China because it doesn't have an election late next year yeah I mean as we loom closer to that US presidential election the pressure is going to certainly be on President Trump isn't it well, it depends. Um, I think there's three factors which uh, will determine how much pressure there is. There's going to be his polls, uh, and I think he's going to be paying very close attention to the polls. And if he feels like the trade war with China, with solution or no solution, is feeding well with his supporter base, and he feels like it's helping him in the polls, then I think he'll continue to fight until he gets what he wants, or until the polls start to tell him differently. The second one he obviously pays a lot of attention to is the Dow. It's the stock index. So as long as stock markets don't plunge and we don't see bear markets um, and 20-30% plunges in the stock markets as a result, then I think he'll continue to, to do this. And, and then the third one, uh, of course, is the economy. So you look at the jobs report, which we're recording ahead of today. Unemployment's still at 3.7%. Uh, we're expecting job creation close to 200,000 and wages are rising around 3.1%. Um, if those figures continue to be confirmed on a, uh, each month, then you, you're ticking all three boxes, I think, as far as the president's concerned. I feel like the president has the ultimate target in mind of what he'd like to achieve from these China trade talks. He probably has the minimum uh, uh, that he wants to achieve in the talks. And ultimately, those three um, indicators will tell him where he's going to finish along that barometer because I think he's going to continue to push as long as those three stay healthy. One final one for you, Craig. Uh, Turkey, we haven't talked about uh, the Turkish economy for a, a few weeks now. More rate cuts there. Yeah, I mean, we've got so we've got the... Uh the, the, the Turkish Central Bank meeting next week. Now, the Turkish Central Bank hasn't come without its controversy. It cut by 4.25% uh, the last meeting, taking interest rates from 24% down to 19.75%. Um, for a bit of context here, uh, for those who haven't necessarily been following this story, the Turkish Central Bank governor just prior to this meeting was sacked uh, by President Erdogan. President Erdogan has very much long been a critic, uh, if that sounds familiar, uh, of the Central Bank uh, governor, um, <laughs> claiming that he wasn't cutting interest rates fast enough, claiming that he was making his job harder, that effectively he was the enemy, um, uh, and that 
in his belief, and when I say he, I mean the president, uh, President Erdogan, he believed that lower interest rates were conducive with lower inflation. That goes against all economic theory, uh, and clearly that was the that was the belief of the uh, of the incumbent. Uh, his his successor uh, immediately cut interest rates by four point two five percent, and in many ways you could you could look at the market and say he was rewarded for that because. The Turkish lira didn't plunge, as you may have otherwise expected, even though markets were only expecting 2 2.5%. Uh, the markets, the Turkish lira actually dropped a little bit and then rallied for the next two weeks. Uh, and it's only since we've seen the emerging market sell off in currencies. And not an, ex- not an extreme sell off, but a selling off in emerging market currencies over the last couple of weeks that that has started to change and the, the, the shift has gone against the Turkish lira. So I think the central bank governor now at this meeting is going to be looking at that saying, well, well everything's fine. Inflation came down to 15.01% last month. That's uh, a positive from above 20% where it was at previously. And the Turkish lira is stable uh, and it hasn't plunged as a result of our last action. So let's cut interest rates again. Uh, the question is how much people are expecting, maybe a couple, of, another couple of percentage points maybe. But again, they surprised to the upside last time. The difference is the question for me is are they going to surprise if they surprise to the upside this time will the markets be as forgiving at a time when the currency is falling okay on that note craig thanks very much for joining us today i wonder where we're going to be this time next week it's been the most incredible last the last few days i can only imagine thanks for joining us cheers podcast from the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am, listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.